Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. I am Heather Carroll. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we are your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful morning. You should have seen the sunrise. Did you see it, Father? It was awesome. <laughs> you don't. You, every morning, uh, Father Tony Klein, not every morning, but Father Tony Klein also sees the sunrise. And so every morning I'm always like trying to see if I can get a better picture than the one he took. <laughs> and and uh, it's amazing <laughs> and because out here with the development, you know, you yeah. still, you don't have trees that are mature. You can see. Yes. Uh, it's so amazing. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful Jen, Jenna King works at the parish and she's, she's thanked me one day because she has to drive out here for Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, for Mass. And she thanked me because she was like, I get to see the sunrise every day, it's <laughs> every Sunday. It's amazing. It's the little things. Yep. Well, we're broadcasting today from John Paul II Parish here in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Um, and we do this about every other month, and it's one of my favorite shows, Father. Really? It is. Like, what does that mean in comparison? Like, like uh, of that- all day or like once a month? Or- <laughs> I gotta, I gotta figure out whether I pat myself on the back with one finger or a the palm. Whole or, hand. Oh, okay, great. Yes. Well, well, don't worry. I know my insufficiencies because we have guests here today that don't know what they're supposed to talk about. It's kind of exciting, though. So you get me in all my splendor. You never know what you're gonna get. Well, I think in a way that's that's like part of. You life. Know, life is. Uh, <laughs> I even was thinking about a podcast. So JP Thornton's here with us. Looking forward to having you join us. Uh, I was thinking of a podcast name, and. And I was thinking it should be like unscripted, like the name should be unscripted or uncut or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the show should not have any um, manipulations to it. Mm. Because what happens is we listen to these podcasts that are perfectly planned, and then we go out in real life and we can't stand that the person that we're talking to doesn't get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Like we're being trained to yeah, like, would you just synthesize and yourself and present what you're saying to me in a way that I can receive it? You've got like, three sentences. Yeah. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to like have, I'm going to share my life. If you want to follow this, you can follow it, but you're going to follow it like you would, you're going to learn how to live your life. And what I was struck, that intro was really striking to me, to all those little cuts, you know? Yeah. And one of them that really struck me was said something like, every generation needs the gospel represented to it. You know, and so it's like that's what we need, but our generation needs the gospel presented to it, not a nice, marketed, crafty little quip that doesn't help you see that the gospel actually is presented in like an unscripted way. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And I love good media and I love good scripts, so I'm not saying that, but it has struck me like if I was to do a podcast, I don't want to spend all the time like making sure. You really love it. No, I want to share with you what I'm living, and you got to take it the way it comes, which is sometimes it comes in forms you weren't planned. So, hence, when you come visit St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota, you're getting us unscripted. I love it. I love it. Can we do prayer? That would be awesome. Let's start with prayer. Awesome. I'm going to practice uh, being my bishop. 
Okay. And I'm going to delegate prayer no. to J.P. Thornton. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Have you wow. noticed that? He's always like, yeah. hey, you I've pray. heard you that pray. about yeah. him. Yeah, so I'm you delegating. <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts. Open our minds and our hearts to your will. Guide our feet in our conversation today as we walk the path towards Christ, as we share our experience of Christ with each other. We entrust this time in a special way to our Mother Mary, especially in this time of Advent as we prepare to receive the Christ child at Christmas. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. So, J.P. Mor- J.P. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time someone's called me that, actually. So. I won't be the last. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about who you are. <clears throat> well, I um, grew up in Sioux Falls. I'm a St. Lambert parishioner, Father John's oh, old parish. Oh, another so. St. Lambert. Yep. Yeah, that's a good stuff. I um, Yeah, I was homeschooled, so all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school, I was homeschooled. Um, and then I went to college for uh, software engineering for a year before I decided to join the seminary. So I know Father John alluded to that a little bit. I think we're going to yeah. talk about a little bit of seminary today. But I went to seminary at St. John Vianney College Seminary. I graduated with a degree in philosophy and Catholic studies. Um, and then I went to... So that means you went four years, at I, least? I went for three years, actually. Three years, So okay. I transferred in, and I just did a three-year degree for okay. the dual uh, dual degree. He's one of those smart kids. <laughs> uh, sounds like that. But, yeah. And then <laughs> dual I, degree. <laughs> three well, years. Well, it, it sounds more impressive than it is. Mostly it's because I went to Rome, and because I went to Rome, all my Catholic study stuff just fell into line. So oh, okay. We all had to get a philosophy degree, so... Great. Little par for the course. Yeah, so uh, today we have J.P. Thornton on, and then we have James Carroll coming next. And yeah. so what we're going to look at is what's like to discern out of the seminary. And J.P. Thornton does have a collar on right now, and he is a seminarian, and he's going to the seminary. But he had discerned out. And hmm. then he's like call, called back. And James is married and is going to have, well, I'll let him talk about his life when it's right. come. But so just curious, JP, after you've entered seminary, um, what sort of process you went through that made you say, maybe this isn't for me? And then once you got out, what you've learned uh, in that journey that sent you back? Sure. Yeah. I mean, seminary is a really beautiful time of formation. One of the big things in seminary that we talk about is um, it's really ongoing discernment. So even in the seminary, like every day, every moment, you're continually asking Christ, like, where do you want to lead me? Uh, Where are you guiding me? Where do you want me to go? Um, And for me, the question that came up was really specifically around, is the Lord calling me to celibacy? Like, I love the priesthood. I love the mass. Like, I grew up as an altar server. But that question was the thing that Christ was calling me to really discern. Um, So just kind of in the process of seminary that I reached a point where I said, you know, I really think I need to discern marriage. I don't know, you know, where you're calling me, Lord. And and I can't say yes to this thing right now, and I need to take a step to just discern how I'm called to love and what way you've made me to love. Um, so that was kind of the process of discerning out. was just kind of It was really a freedom to say, yeah, I'm going to take a step and trust that Christ is leading me towards something that I'm going to be fully flourishing in love. And um, at the moment, it seemed like 
discerning marriage. And then after leaving seminary, it came back to celibacy, which mm-hmm. was not what I expected, but um, it's really beautiful. Well, and I think that's interesting because you do want to discern, you, you know, when you're in the seminary, you're discerning the priesthood. But I think that's very wise of you to really take a step back and discern marriage, hmm. you know, because do people really spend a lot of time discerning the married life or the single life or what they're called to? Is it just seminary? My experience is, uh, well, definitely not in any quantity similar. Like there might be some right. discernment, but definitely, I mean, you're, you're it's discernment. More... But the same is the same call. I mean, it's a call. Yeah. Like, and so the, dis- the need to discern it is the same. Um, now, whether we're too heavy on discernment on one side and not enough on another, you know, it might be a little bit of both. Um, but certainly... Um, marriage, I think today, sometimes people kind of just end up in it. Right. As opposed to really like think through, is this what God is calling me to? Mm-hmm. But, so, yeah. And that's really where it comes to. It's like the call to marriage and the call to the priesthood or to the religious life or the generous single life. All of those calls fundamentally are called to love Christ. And so mm-hmm. in some way we don't think of it that way. You know, we go down to the more basic things of like what you're going to do and what your life looks like. But at the core of that is how does Christ want me to love him? I think mm. is like for me that was the helpful part because um, it's really a response you know it's not something that you just choose on your own entirely there really is a response between what Christ wants for you and how you can receive that and then relate to him and so it is like a daily thing it's a daily discernment and it's a daily trust you know to where do you place your trust and and how do you trust in Christ in what you're supposed to do mm. what uh, were what were helpful factors to you when you discerned uh, out of the seminary what sort of things kept you from, you know, kept you engaged, kept you moving forward, helped you look at all these things. I would imagine that's a, seminary is a very structured environment, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what, uh, what's, uh, what did you have uh, when you left? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I think was just uh, friend, good friendships. So, you know, there's, I lived, when I left the seminary, I made sure that I was going to live with guys who I knew were really solid Catholic guys and who are really seeking Christ in their own life. And for me, that was the most helpful thing because it wasn't necessarily that we talked about everything every day, but it was just the example of life that we lived, that mm. this is the take, you know, you have to take a step forward. And Christ really is the center of all of those guys' lives. So I'm really grateful for that as like a gift. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing is just the grace of the encounter of Christ. It's like I knew after I, after I left seminary that uh, the most important thing was to say, yeah, Christ really is the center of my life. And what does that mean? Especially outside of the context of seminary, when Mm -hmm. you don't have the structure of prayer, you don't have the ease to just, you know, you take it for granted when you're in seminary, like, oh, you pray holy hour every day and you go to mass every day Mm -hmm. and you start working a full-time job and you're like, well, that's a lot harder than I thought it was (laughs) trying to do. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing was the friendships and definitely the Holy Spirit working, but um, yeah, having that example and being able to talk to people. I mean, a lot of solid priests in my life and a lot of solid family members who I can go to for advice. And so it wasn't something that I went on my own. Like discernment's not uh, an insular thing. Like you actually have to be in a community to discern yeah. and you have to talk to people and be like, yeah, this is what I'm going through. What does that mean? And it's really helpful for that. Yeah. Well, cause I'm sitting here as a mother, you know, and, um, I'm, I have an 18 year old. And so I'm used to the roller coaster of, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this, you know? So I'm thinking of your parents, Mm. you know? Um, and I know that parents get so involved when their sons do go to seminary, you know, and they 
try to think about they have their own process of okay he's not going to have grandchildren and he's not going to get married and all these things are going to change and they wrap their heads around it and then the son decides to leave which is fine so how did your parents process all of this it really i think out of anything my parents response has always been the most beautiful part to me because in seminary they're their whole response was, we want you to be happy, but we want you to love Christ and follow him. And when I left seminary, it never changed. And so I remember sitting down with my dad and talking with him, and he said, you know, the thing that I know most certainly in my life is that the most important thing is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what you need to follow. Wow. So. <laughs> what a blessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a blessing. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, this is one dynamic of all the formation that I would say uh, I, if I were, if I were the Pope, you know, the Pope just introduced the propedeutic year, which maybe you could speak to if you want, uh, which is a year universally, which is interesting to think the Pope can universally just say, Hey, we're going to introduce this new year to formation. Hello, Earth. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would change is I would like somehow prevent people from knowing the first year someone had discerned the seminary. Oh, when that, because oh. it it allows them to engage their will, but it frees it from the entanglements of everybody else. And it's it's the seminarian that has the difficulty, it's the other people that have the difficulty, it's the parish that has the difficulty. Like we're all so excited yeah. uh, that we can forget, but this is this person's call. Like the most important thing that can happen is does this man know who Christ is, why he's called, and what this means. Mm. Uh, and so then after you kind of have a stronger foundation, then you can receive. You do need the community. The community is the one that produced your vote or helped produce that awareness of your vocation. So it's not separate from it. But Yeah, that yeah. is very interesting. There's, there's a moment. So what a gift your dad yeah, and mom lived that way. That yeah. for you, there was no entanglements. It was no, you know, there was no more excitement. Uh, but it's for us as a parish. I mean, Sterling Hilmer was a seminarian for us. He was a great man, you know. But but so when he's in seminary, you're all like, Sterling, Sterling, you know. And I tried not to say his name too much or make too much <laughs> for this reason. Yeah. Because now he's at SDSU, loving focus, loving being in whatever yeah. he's doing up there, you know. And, and, uh, and I want to be just as happy for him there because he's yes. seeking Christ. Mm -hmm. And he's so happy. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're broadcasting from St. John Paul II Parish here in Harrisburg, South Dakota. I'm Heather Caro, and I'm hosting with Father John Rutten. And we're, gonna, we're talking with J.P. Thornton, but we've got to take a quick break. So when we come back, more with J.P. Thornton and his journey in the seminary. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, 
please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're broadcasting this morning from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. It's a Always a pleasure to come down to Harrisburg. It's always a pleasure to have you here. It uh, reminds me, maybe I've said this a million times, it reminds me of the importance of a visitor. Mm. A visitor is someone who uh, comes from outside of you, but when they come in, everything gets ordered in a particularly different way that brings new life and vitality. And you think about when someone comes to visit a relative or somebody, come, you know, when you come mm-hmm. home, it's like everything. So I love that. In, in that in that way, when I see Real Presence Radio on our calendar, I'm like, oh, the visitor's coming. The visitor's coming. <laughs> the <laughs> and outlier. It just, yeah, yeah, and then we just add to it. So now we got more, uh, you know, more people are I joining know. in. And- I love that we broadcast from the entryway mm. because you can just get to see the people coming and going uh-huh. through the parish. Yeah, through the parish and then, and then over to the clinic and over <laughs> wherever they're. We're, uh, we're in a strip mall next to a Vera <laughs> clinic and Allen Homes. Everybody building their homes in Harrisburg. The place is growing. So, But enough of this. We got a great, uh, great Absolutely. young man in front of us, uh, J.P. Thornton. Um, what, what would you say? So J.P. was saying that he was in the seminary, discerned out of the seminary. And what would you say are some things? And you're heading back. Hmm. Uh, how are you going back a different man than when you left? Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, the big thing for me that I would say is probably my relationship with Christ has changed because now instead of it being a formation that I'm entering into with a goal in mind or if like the priesthood is the goal and that's kind of what I'm shooting for um, I feel like I'm really entering back in and saying well Christ is really just in my circumstances so being out of seminary really helped with that because when you don't have that structure and everything seems to be crazy and you're trying to find a job and you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do because you don't think you're going to be a priest anymore you really have to say okay Christ where are you in my circumstances? And like, and my circumstances are exactly the place where you want to reach me right now. So this is the place that you want to encounter me. Um, so it's a little like abstract maybe for going back to seminary, but I think it's helpful because going back, I'm just like 
the fire is like reignited for the desire just to like enter into the formation and like do the studies and be able to just be a good priest. Um, but underlying all of that, it's really to enter into it, to encounter Christ in a new way. So you've mentioned this now twice. You said before that uh, one of the most helpful thing was the grace of the encounter with Christ. Mm. And then now you're saying the most important thing is this relationship with Christ. For somebody who is stumbling on this channel, mm. what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes the hardest thing about an encounter, when I talk about an encounter, is I feel like you see it, you know it. That's the biggest thing. But for me, what it is, is there's a moment in my life that I can point to that I kind of judge everything off of when it comes to an encounter with Christ, where there is a moment at which I realized that Christ was part of my life and desired to be with me in like an intentional and personal way. And then from that, everything in my life really changed. I mean, it's something that like, it's, an, it's, a, it's a presence that changes me. So it's an encounter with something that really changes who I am and how I live. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, is it possible that someone could have had that encounter? Uh, is it possible that somebody could be Catholic or Christian and not have had that encounter? I think that it's probably possible. I think it is possible. I mean, I know it is possible because I grew up Catholic and I didn't have that encounter. Hmm. Um, I think it is kind of, uh, it's both on Christ. It's both a grace that's given, but it's also an openness to receive. And for me, that openness was in asking questions. It was like in a pursuit of truth and saying like, well, what is my life really about? And then in that space was a place where Christ came in and said, oh, I'm already here. And then Father John actually is the one who came up to me and said, that's Christ. So I think that's the biggest thing is like that encounter is you need someone else to really be with you to say, oh, yeah, that's Christ in your life. Then you go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Ah, so this answered the question. You're like, I teed up my own question. Uh, So someone can also have encountered him and just not be aware Mm -hmm. that this is the same experience that somebody else is saying, I met Jesus. Right. So this, I think, is really helpful. It helped me also in an ecumenical way. Like We don't hear a lot about ecumenism in the church today, or I don't see, it just doesn't seem to be what as prevalent. What do you prevalent. mean by that? Ecumenism, dialogue with other faith traditions, other Christian traditions. Sure. Uh, and um, I was always struck by people who were born again, mm. because the experience they kept wanting me to have, I felt like I already did, a lot of them actually, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to deny that whatever they were asking of me, I agreed with. Mm. Whatever you're talking about, I, I fully support. <laughs> yeah. I just think we think it, it's different. And this is sort of the thing is they've had an encounter with Christ that changed their life. And they're saying this is the moment that everything changed. And when I discovered that Catholics believe the same thing, mm-hmm. not that uh, I should be rebaptized or I should do any of those, but they believe that there's a moment, the encounter, the popes mm-hmm. have talked about it, and this is the flourishing of the baptismal grace. So the Catholic lives fully aware that there's an objective reality of the sacrament, but there's a subjective, actually objective reality. I mean an event that awakens it all. And that's why little kids, little kids have it awakened, but what happens is they grow up and we sort of like formalize them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that they most naturally attune to that, you know, uh, sort of gets like stuck but then it gets reawakened again. Well, well, I think that's important, too, because it needs to become their faith and not their parents. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's a, a transition there. Which, again, gets to the sacrament of confirmation, where we, we, we intuitively know there's a point with which everybody has to make this their, their own. So we've attached it to confirmation, even though 
a whole other program needs to be had on why confirmation isn't it works it, it works and we can say confirmation is a time you have to make this as your own but confirmation can also be when you're in fourth grade sure so we have to like wrestle with what does that mean and if we move it down to fourth grade do we know how to help someone come mm-hmm. to a mature faith and this is the incredible journey I think the church is in today, is we're sort of in this place where there's a lot of tension and a lot of people on all sides. And I think what we're all trying to say is we, we, we're, looking, we're looking for this like certainty that comes mm-hmm. from the encounter. And I find many people in many walks have had that encounter, but the, sometimes they don't know, oh, that's him. Right. This is Jesus. Uh, so I appreciate J.P., um, in addition to this, what would you say are, you're, you're heading back, uh, what do you look forward to engaging this time at seminary in a different way? How will you be a different man? Yeah. Um, man, there's a lot in that question. I feel like for me, before you answer that, how long were you out of seminary? I was out of seminary for about a year. A year. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a super long time. Okay. Um, Going back, I'm really just excited to engage with the curriculum in a different way. I think that coming from high school into college and just kind of the ongoing education thing without a break, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to just get into the, all right, got to get an A, just got to get this done. A's mean I'm engaging. That's good. Um, mm. Being out of seminary, it's just been helpful to see like, oh, that's not actually, I can get A's in something and not really engage in it. Like I can just do it and then not really engage with it. So. I've been able to work doing ministry with high school students over the last couple of months and like teaching confirmation classes. And in front of those people, I'm like, man, I have no idea how to answer some of these questions. And now I have questions to bring back to class. And I'm super excited to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't have any idea how to answer the questions, but <laughs> they have good questions. I mean, they come up with stuff I didn't even think that they would ask, but it's in the catechism. So normally I can find the answer, but what's the recall? I want to be able to really explain it. Yeah. So earlier we were talking about community and how the community reacts. And I think whether we want to or not, we think about that. Mm-hmm. We think about what people are going to say and do and think. So how has that been for you when you're like, I'm going to discern out and now I'm going back? Yeah. Community, what I have found is that people appreciate honesty. Mm-hmm. and Amen. Being able to just share what Christ is doing in my life, even when it's confusing, is actually the place where people can say, like, oh, you're really following something. You're not just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. So I find even even when it's confusing or people are upset or people are confused about why I'm doing it, I love being able to sit down and just talk to them about it. Um, and then normally after that conversation, they go, yeah, it seems like you kind of are following something and keep going. So, Yeah. Well, and I think it's a beautiful example to so many of us that think, you know, you have to have everything planned out A through Z. (laughs) And life isn't like that. And we started talking about that this morning, Father. You know, just life is just kind of messy sometimes. And I think what a great witness you can be to that, that it's okay if it's messy. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to let people see that it's messy once in a while. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I know. I, I can share even say, about it and, and then, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I had a meeting at the rectory yesterday, and I was picking everything up, and I kind of stopped and started giggling and laughing to myself. I'm like, oh, I go to people's houses, and I'm like, you don't have to clean up for me. <laughs> You know, and then here I am. I'm like making sure you know the everything's off the counter, and I'm thinking, oh, isn't this funny? Yeah. It's so easy to tell other people the same yeah. thing that we can't live ourselves. 
laughs. But it is true. Like, and maybe this is the beauty of learning that Christ is in the midst of our life, that you discover that if you really want to grow in relationship, you can't negate all that stuff. Mm. So in an end, in a weird way, it becomes attractive. Yeah. To like not negate the messy stuff. It takes time. It's it's not easy. But over over a period, once you grow, in, he always comes to us. I I experience he comes to us oftentimes in a really saccharine way, a really beautiful way, and then you know, over time he leads us to Calvary. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you slow learners. <laughs> he knows us, so he knows how to make Calvary, in a weird sense, attractive. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, there's a part of it where it's like if you try to enter Calvary on your own, it becomes your sacrifice. Versus when Christ leads oh. you there, you're joining in his sacrifice, you know? Like, I don't know. I think about the messiness, and I just look at the Gospels, and I'm like, I'm in good company. <laughs> <laughs> or just read a few chapters of the Old Testament. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just leaving the fishing boat and going off with Christ now. He just came by and called me again, and I'm like, all right, I guess you're real. Here we go. Yeah, I can deny him a couple times, but he'll come back, and he'll always ask me again, so... <laughs> Well, JP, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. Thank you. And we'll be sure that all the listeners pray for JP Thornton as he mm. heads back to seminary. Um, many blessings on your journey. Thank you very much. All right. Go in peace. So we're broadcasting today from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Father John Rutten. And we're going to take a quick break. We're gonna, when we come back, we're going to do the flip side of this discussion. Yes. James Carroll. James Carroll coming up. So stay with us, folks. More Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mm -hmm. 